Hi there, everybody. Tom Whitcomb here, host of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking this Friday, the 23rd of September. I will be at the Side Door Theatre in Wollongong doing my show Ignorant for the final time. I will never perform this show live ever again. So if you are living in Wollongong or in the near surrounds, please come along. Tickets are 25 bucks. Check out the bio for, or the show notes rather, for, uh, for, for ticket link. I would love to see you there. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Show Some Respect. Tom Wickham is talking. It's a pleasure to be here yet again. I'm on take two of the podcast. I recorded for a minute and decided this wasn't fit for public consumption because, well, I uh, I did something for the first time. I've not done this before. You would have seen I, I put some clips out on Instagram of things that I talk about on the podcast and I had the uh, I had the front-facing camera on. Usually I have the back-facing, but, you know, I'll put the front-facing so I can make sure I'm in the right angle. And So just looking into my own face for a full minute while doing this, very uncomfortable, would not recommend it. Would Prolonged eye contact with oneself encourages an amount of self-reflection I don't think is healthy. And, you know, to be fair, the amount of self-reflection I think is healthy is minimal. I think you just keep charging forward, eyes down, trying not to think about what you're doing at any one moment. But here we are, we're going back, we're running it back. It's a Sunday morning, it's a beautiful day. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh, I'm doing it on a Sunday, not my usual Thursday, because I spent Thursday in the beautiful sunshine state of Queensland, a place where I could afford a house, uh, but I would have to live in Queensland. And you've got to toss up how, how much... How much extra space is worthwhile? I'd have a lot more space in my house, but a lot less space I'd feel comfortable in in the outside world. So how do we, how do we balance those two things? If you're listening because you came to the show on, on Thursday or you came to the show because you listened to the podcast, I want to apologize for instantly going off on your state like a coward. I certainly didn't do that on the night, did I? I was very complimentary of Brisbane and Queensland on the night, and here I am back in my own state talking shit like a child. I apologize for that. I had a great time Thursday night. Big, big turnout, especially if you're any if you're a Queensland comic, I think that's a big thing. I had a lot of Brisbane comics who look weren't paying to be there, and that did rub me the wrong way a little bit. And uh, look, I tried to ask them for money. I tried to actually try and, you know, kind of pickpocket a few just because they they owed me something for an hour of my time. But uh, if you are a Queensland comic, uh, it, it means a lot to have, honestly, to have peers. And I say peers, I mean, let's be honest, um, I am above you? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably not for me to say, but I definitely felt that. No, it's just it's just it's, it's an honour to have people who have the same passion that I do and care about stand-up the way that I do to, to come and, and spend an hour watching my show. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, qu- quick few uh, apologies to be made to uh, the three women in two separate tables across the front row who I'm guessing greatly mis- misunderstood the brief of, of what I would be providing over my hour of stand-up comedy because they did not seem to be having a very good time. Now, I can't truly know, and I sort of regret, I called this out on stage, I sort of said 
to these guys like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you have to put up with this. I was doing my big bit about women's sport. Just so you know, as a, if you're a fan of my stand-up, expect a bit about women's sport in pretty much every show I do from now on because I still have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, and uh, these two women on the left, real liberal arts types, you know, real... I, I, would, I would put money on at least one of them being or strongly considering coming out as non-binary, that kind of vibe. Um, you know, frizzy hair and glasses... I just, I don't know, I don't know why. I don't know what led them. I don't know where the two circles of our Venn diagram meet. I'm very confused by that. And if you're listening, I'd love to know. Maybe you're having a better time than I thought. Maybe you do get irony. I would love to think so. And then the other one was a couple directly in front of me, a a guy and a girl. And um, look, God bless this woman for coming along. And every time I kind of alluded to the fact she didn't seem to be having a very good time, she smiled. She seemed like a lovely person. Um, But, yeah, that must have been a long hour for her, I imagine. I don't know what that guy was thinking. And, again, I would actually – I didn't get a chance. I'd love to have talked to them afterwards. If that guy happens to be listening, and you'll know who you are, you were directly in front – like, front and center. I, I, I appreciate the support. I told him on stage, I was like, mate, I appreciate you bringing your girlfriend, but next time, bring the boys. You know, bring three to four boys. Like, that's better for everybody. She doesn't have to put up with this. Your boys get a good time. I get twice as much money. Everybody's happy. If you're listening, please DM me. I would That guy in particular, all the women, I would love to know. Um, I, I feel like I'm really going out of my way to call out the people not having a good time, which is just how my mind works. I'm a big, you know... You get, a, you, get, you get a test back out of 100, you get 95, and you spend an hour thinking about the five you got wrong. That's, that's sort of how I felt. I think a lot of people had a good time. People seem to enjoy it. If you enjoyed it yourself, let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. It was great being in a... It's, there's something pretty special, honestly. There's something pretty special about being in a different city where you don't really know that many people and to have pure strangers rock up to hear you talk for an hour and pay money to do so. That's, that really is, I, it's so easy in comedy to get so caught up in the fact that you're always wanting more. If I'd have been told, I would have had about 45 people, I reckon, in the room, including some people who weren't paying to be there, that's fine. Uh, I, would, I reckon I would have had about 45 people in the room. If I'd have been told that a month ago, I would have been ecstatic. And yet... On the day when you're told you had 30 yesterday and 32 tickets to, as of today, there's a party being like, oh, man, this is brutal. I was hoping you, you're on the treadmill, right? You're constantly wanting the more and more. And it's important to take a step back. But you know what? No, that that uh, that was pretty great. So um, I've said this so many times now. But please, if you're listening and you were at that gig and I don't know you on a personal level, please reach out. I would love, I'd love to know. I'd, I'd love to know who I'm keeping touch with and, and what you thought of the show. Um, before that, before the, the my show, I had a gig at uh, Griffith University, the Nathan campus. I have no idea where that ranks on the list of Griffith University's campuses. But, uh, oh, geez. That was one of those that from, from the outset, every comic stood at the back and went. We almost apologized to each other in advance, being like, hey, hey, hey. Just let's all agree that nothing that takes place tonight is reflective of any of us, okay? This is, 
this is a total, this is a vortex. This is where we all exist in the cone of silence, which is ironic because the audience seemed to exist in that same cone because fuck was it quiet. It was, it was rough going. And to be fair, audience full of fucking nerds. It was the student council event and they were all like PhD students and they were all drinking frozen vodka slushies. Like at a pub on a, Thursday, sitting down, chatting with a current affair on the TV in the background. Real. Oh, it did, did, not, did not click with them at all. Some of them were all right, but for the most, as a crowd, as a single entity, not a fan. Not a fan at all. I, uh, and, I, and, I, and I did let them know. I did let them, I called them nerds, at least on two occasions. The, the comic before me made a reference to Pokemon and someone went, woo! Bad, not my people. Not, I, the, the, the high school instinct to bully rose to the surface faster than I could even recognize. And I wasn't even a bully at high school, but I think we all have that in us somewhere. And it was at the forefront for me for, for that moment and the following 15 minutes. And there was a moment, they just, I, just got, I just got the vibe. They were, they were just a little smug. They were just a little smug across the board. And I have this joke I'm doing at the moment about housing affordability classic and the joke says the whole country is experiencing it from the big cities like Sydney and Melbourne to the little towns like Wagga Wagga and Adelaide you know classic classist joke classic punching down on uh, you know the middle Australia on on real Australia um, classic Sydney and Melbourne I mean Australia uh, has some beautiful cities you know both of them very very pretty and uh, and and some very bearable towns that's the insight that I'm bringing uh, across Australia in the hope that they'll hand me money. And um, you know what? Brisbane had a big old chuckle at that, didn't they? These, these, the, the PhD candidates from Griffith University, Nathan. Oh, boy. Boy, did they get a little kick out of that one on the, on, on, on the, on the city of churches. Having a go at the city of churches. And, and I, said, I said to them, and this is true, I was like, hey, hey you know what? Uh, little peek behind the curtain. When I tell that joke in Sydney, I say Brisbane. Okay, that's what I think of you. That's that's what I think. You guys, you th- you know, in your high horse, you're gonna laugh at Adelaide, Brisbane. You're gonna laugh at Adelaide, Brisbane. Yeah, you haven't had the the Olympics yet. All right, we've got we've got ten more years of just rinsing you before we have to start taking you seriously because you had an Olympic games. And I I hope. I hope it goes poorly. I hope it's Athens proportions of real disappointment. I hope the rest of Australia looks in Brisbane and be like, ugh, we trusted you, Brisbane. We gave you a chance to represent us and you've let us all down again. But thanks for coming to the show. It was an absolute joy to be there. Brisbane does actually have one of the best comedy scenes in Australia, 100%. You think about the big names to come out of Australian comedy, in, in the Australian scene at least of the last... A little while, your Sam Campbell's, your Becky Lucas's, your Matt O'Kinds, they're all Brisbane comics. Ronnie Chang, the most of the comics that have gone on to be big names in Australian comedy, they come out of the Brisbane scene. So, Brisbane, you can at least hang your hat on that. Also, my partner's from Brisbane and uh, and, and therefore half of my future family, if not more, actually. She's got big, big old Catholic family, big old lots of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles. Uh, you know what that means. That means I'm paying for a lot of people to be at my wedding who I don't really know. And, you know, for some of you, if you happen to be listening uh, 
beat his family. And uh, I think unless we, uh, apart from Chris Green, long-time fan, long-time listener of, of everything I have ever done, ever, the rest of them, not, not engaged. Didn't come to the Brisbane show. You know, not bitter about it. Did I rinse them for the first five minutes about that? Sure, but uh, they'll never know. They'll never, and nor, and even if they did know, they probably just they probably just glazed over. Right. No, I lo- 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 love them. The in-laws. It's going to be a treat. No, I'm just I'm I'm just being bitter. I'm just being bitter. Now you can't see this, uh, dear listener, but perhaps you can. Can you can you hear this? I don't know. Was that was that unbearable? What well, I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing a little uh, Blackmore's marathon medal. And some of you might be thinking, well, Tom, we didn't know you were a runner. We didn't know you uh, you were the in line to receive a Blackmore's marathon medal. And that's because unlike a lot of runners, I don't feel the need to just go on and on about the fact that I am a runner. Because uh, I don't know how runners escaped the negative perceptions that plague cyclists. Because they're 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 part of the same boat. You know, they're just they're 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 two two peas in a pod. The cyclist and the runner. The only difference is instead of interrupting traffic, they interrupt footpaths. And 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 with the same level of smugness, a slightly less ridiculous outfit. In fairness, but they're the same. They, and and I don't I don't feel the need to be one of those people to really rub it in people's faces. And the other reason you might not know that is because I'm I'm not a runner and I didn't run the Blackmores Marathon and this is my girlfriend's medal. But uh, you know what? I've seen a lot of people wearing them today and that seems to, from my perspective, really undo any value they might have. The Blackmores Marathon, ten thousand runners, nine thousand nine hundred no. 10,000 runners, 10,000 medals, 9,999 losers. You know, boomers like to get on their high horse about participation trophies. About participation trophies. And yet, I've seen a lot of 50-year-olds wearing a medal for being able to run, walk a five-kilometer track, run, walk five kilometers over 45 minutes. You you really you deserve you deserve medal for that, do you? You deserve you deserve uh, you want the world to know. My partner, on the other hand, ran, ran a half marathon, which I think is is very impressive. You know, a half marathon as her boyfriend. I'm just so half proud of her. It's so so impressive. You know, half as impressive as what a lot of other people did today, which is still more impressive than anything I've done, which is eat a chocolate croissant and uh, record so far 14 minutes of a podcast. Uh, but hey, we all, we all got stuff going on. We've all, we all got a lot happening. I am, uh, the other thing I did today, which was, uh, interesting. I don't know how many of you have had this experience yet. I I did my first be real. I did my first be real today. I'm not sure if you guys are on the be real train yet. And if you don't know what it is, it's a, it's the new social media app. They think it's, it's going to be a big deal. It's probably the first, because, you know, social media apps come along quite a lot. There's always talk of them, and yet they only really take off very rarely, even to the level that Be Real has, which is not really taken over. People are aware. I mean, when was it? The last one probably was, I mean, TikTok, obviously, and that took a little while to really take off, and now it's just ruining everyone's lives. 
And before that, I guess Snapchat. And then other than that, you don't really they don't they don't really have but this one seems to at least it's it's got the it's got the embers. It's 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 starting. It's starting to take off. And uh, if you don't know what it is, the basic idea is you can only post once a day. You don't choose when you post. You get a, a notification to say you have two minutes to take a photo of whatever you are doing right now and set it live. And that's and it that's all you and you it's it's two photos. It's the photo of the back facing camera and the front facing camera. So you see where you are, what you're looking at, and then a picture of your face. And I did it for the first time today. And I gotta say, compared to a lot of other social media apps. Uh, be real might be the only one that makes me feel good, because fuck, people are living some boring lives. I'm not. I don't even have friends on the app. I'm just looking at the, like the discover page of randoms. Oh my god, not a not a single person I was envious of. Just a bunch of when you when the front facing camera, not the most flattering of ones. And plus, you don't have it doesn't show you what the camera is picking up, so you can't really pose or whatever. So just a bunch of like unmade up, pretty average looking individuals in bad lighting in their bedrooms. A lot of watching Twitch streaming, just, it, it's it really truly unlike Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, any, especially the anti-Instagram, because I was like, wow, I don't want to live any of these lives. You know, you, you get on Instagram, you're like, fuck, what would it be like to be incredibly attractive? Or I wish I was in the Amalfi Coast right now. You want to be real and like, I don't want to be in that guy's bedroom. I don't want to be in that girl's bedroom. I don't want to be hanging out with that guy's friends. I don't want to be watching that TV show. I don't want to be on that computer. It's all pretty miserable. It's all pretty, it's, it, it might, it might be the first, I think be real will prosper purely on schadenfreude alone. It's very smart, actually. There's never been an app to really leverage the value of Schadenfreude until Be Real, because now you just look, you scroll through, and you go, "Oh Jesus, it could be worse, couldn't it? It could be a lot worse. I could look like that and be there with those people. What a relief!" I'd, I, I'm all for it. I'm. All, I think we all need a good, healthy dose of life is horrendous for everybody. Horrendous might be harsh coming from a straight white guy living in a, in, a, in a first world nation, you know. Clean drinking water coming out of the tap, that should be enough for a, a, mod, a, a modicum, I reckon. A modicum of happiness, you would think. Isn't it crazy? I've been thinking about this a lot recently, that third world nations are so much happier than first world. I'm trying to embed the woke term or the politically correct term of developed and developing nations, but... I mean, guys, come on. What's, it's, it's similar to the homeless unhoused thing, where it's like, well, maybe if we give it a new name, we don't have to worry about it very much. Let's be honest. We know what... You, I don't know what a developing nation looks like. What's a developing nation? What's a developing city? Is it like, what, Perth? Third world. I know third world. I can picture third world, all right? Third world carries water on your hat at least... Carries water on your head at least five kilometers at a time. I'm there. I'm in it. I can smell it. It's not pleasant. Third world. Got it. We never really determined what a second world nation was, did we? I feel like I don't have a very... First world, I got it. Third world, I got it. Second world. But here's the thing. First world, clean, easy, water, food, jobs, money, a bed. 
there's that really great book. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called, but about like what poverty looks like. And there's things like, you know, owning a toothbrush is a massive point of difference to a first world compared to a developing nation. Uh, and yet, you know what else first world is? Anxiety, depression, high suicide rates. I heard this story about one of those uh, Joe Rogan guys, one of the guys who's always on the podcast, uh, Justin something. I was going to say Justin Hems, but this is certainly not a Maryvale initiative. He goes to uh, the Congo and lives with the pygmy people there. And he was describing uh, about a friend of his who had committed suicide. And uh, the, uh, the, the tribe laughed. <laughs> they were like, what? They just couldn't. The idea of, they were like, what is, they had no word for it. That client, we, I love the, you know, we don't, we don't have a word for what that is. What do you mean? They killed, they killed themselves. We've never had to label that. We've never needed a shorthand for killing yourself. We're too busy running away from tigers. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, we don't need, yeah, we don't need any rope or a rickety stool to end it here. We'll just drink from the readily available water source and, uh, and we'll call it a day. And none of us feel the need to do that because we spend all of our calories trying not to die. They just can't get their head around it. And yet as soon as we don't have to worry where our next meal comes from and have water coming straight from a tap, we're like, this is misery. This is... That's why life expectancy shouldn't be above 60 because otherwise you're going to get to 30 and be like, I'm, I'm halfway. I'm halfway through this thing. What... I mean, holidays are nice, but what about the other 48 weeks a year? <laughs> oh, oh, you got to laugh, don't you? You got you to gotta have a big old chuckle about it. I was on my, uh, when I was on my way up to, to Brisbane, I, um, I, no, yeah, I'll leave that out. I, 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 I said to leave it out like it was something juicy. Not at all. I was sitting, when I, I was sitting in the aisle, and uh, this little kid walks past, and he must have been. I'm so bad at judging kids' ages, which I think is probably a good thing for a guy with no children. I don't think I should be able to judge, but I I reckon like five, like talking in full sentences, walking by himself, and um, I just had kind of like my knee. It wasn't even in the aisle, but just my knee like adjacent to the aisle, and he was just kind of like bumping into it as if I wasn't there. And this dad, who just clearly was at his wits' end. And not in an aggressive way, just in a just just given up. This dad had just totally given up on the, even the concept of parenting. He's like, I'm I'm basically just transporting this child from place to place right now, and that's where my responsibility begins and ends. I'm I'm not I'm not trying to instill any values. I'm not telling him anything about right and wrong. I'm just here to make sure that no other adult carts him away elsewhere. And this kid was just a fucking nightmare. He, he's just, and I make, I make it. He bumped into my leg. This little shit. No, but he was like, he had no conception of me being there. And the dad was like, don't look. That's a, that's a watch out for the man's leg. And he goes and he sat like three rows behind me. And this kid is just, you know how kids just they, the 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 two things that kids can do that overlapped in this case. Number one was just feeling the need to share every thought that passed through his mind. And until it was acknowledged, just keep repeating it. Just keep yelling it out until something's said. And the other thing was just a total lack of ability to withhold volume. Didn't have that, didn't that have, have that string to his bow at all. So just 
shouting at the top of his lungs. He did this thing. Again, I don't know. Some people might find this cute. I have a very low tolerance for cute. I thought this was just fucking irritating. This kid was trying to count down to the to the plane taking off. Now, if you just shoot, if you've skipped, if you've just like kind of scrubbed to the middle of the podcast and you've heard this kid on my plane was trying to count down to the moment it took off, it sounds adorable. All right. But he was missing again and again and yet kept doing it with the same level of confidence. Like a comedian that just keeps bombing but keeps showing up as if it's the audience's fault. Going, three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three. And the whole time his dad's like, mate, go, 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 get it. come on, go, quiet down, quiet down. He's, he's, dad might as well not be there. The, the, the dad is a, is a phantom. The parenting is not working at all in the slightest. And then we get there. He's like, where are we? Are we, are we in Cairns? And he's like, no, we're in Brisbane. I don't want to get on another plane. I want to get off. And like just screaming. And you know that thing kids do as well where you could just like, they just can turn on crying. They don't mean it. They don't really need to cry. They don't know what suffering is. And yet they just force their emotions on the world like an attractive woman. Just unbelievable. Really, really disliked this kid. But the whole time in my head, I was just thinking, man, hasn't autism provided a perfect disguise for bad parenting? Because the whole time I'm getting shitty with this kid, I'm like, is this a spectrum thing or is this a mum isn't home much kind of thing? Now, I'd like to point out, I said, mum, not home much because I've spent a lot of time ragging on the dad and I just wanted the... It wasn't even about uh, kindness to the dad, just the comedic novelty. I've said dad too much, introduce a new word, a little bit funnier. But I was like, is this... Could it, is, is this... I mean, my instinct is to hit this child. Uh, now, obviously, I wouldn't do that in public, but I'm like, is this, is this something that the dad could have done something about? Is this something that could have been addressed or was this over before it even began? Does this guy, does this kid just have a whole lifetime of irritating people and not understanding why? I look back at, there were a few kids at my school who, look, I'll be honest, probably didn't get treated the best because we just didn't have the vocabulary or understanding of the idea of a spectrum at all. And in hindsight, I had a moment the other day, I remember there was this kid I went to school with who was incredibly smart, very, very clever. And I think he's like a software engineer now. And I remember he used to cry if he got like 96 on a test. And, you know, obviously when I didn't do well in tests, I wanted to cry, but I knew well enough that emotions had no place in the school or life around it. And, <laughs> and, uh, I, he used to cry when he got like a less than perfect score in school tests. And I remember once he loved cats. And I remember once sitting around with some mates having lunch and he was there and my friend was saying some horrible things about cats just to wind him up. And this kid stood up, pushed my friend off a bench onto concrete and stormed away. And as a 15 year old, you're like, what a freak. What a loser that kid is. And I was walking down the street one day and all of a sudden, just like a rock, I wasn't even thinking about the kid. I was just like, oh, Duncan was autistic. Duncan, Duncan was so, it was Asperger's as fuck. How did we not, how did no one tell us that? 
surely it was someone's job to be like, hey, guys, I know that Duncan's weird, but uh, if you'll turn your textbook to page 173, Duncan, actually, maybe you would like to read out. This is that thing under, under autism spectrum disorder. Does this sound familiar to you, Duncan? And we all would have gone like, oh, he's not a loser. He has a diagnosis. I mean, look, if I'm being realistic, I went to Knox Grammar School. Things probably wouldn't have changed. But it is nice to think that maybe under the understanding this guy had a medical condition, we might have we might have laid off a tad. It also would have just given some, I think like especially, I reckon all boys private schools have teachers that went to all boys private schools. And especially back in the day, we're like, well, no, he's weird. You got to make fun of him. That's the rule. I mean, I know I'm the deputy head of the school and I'm, I'm responsible for all their welfare, but I'm not here to upset the apple cart on this one. My job is not to break the status quo, okay? We need to whip this child into shape and there's nothing like a cruel nickname to, uh, to achieve that, is there? I, 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 I really, I was talking to some people at work about this. I'm, I'm desperate not to send my kids to a, an all-boys school. One, like, you know that... Girls perform better in all girls schools and boys perform perform better in co-ed schools because we are we just we're just toxic. Teenage boys just poison everything they touch, like that terrible Batman villain from Batman Returns. No, Batman and Robin. Yeah. Poison Ivy. Oh, she was hot. We just it's like you know that episode of The Simpsons uh where they have the the grid where Bart sits in the class and how it's just like he's an F and it's just like a, a wave of negative reactions around him. That's what that's what the average teenage boy does. Just drags down his people. And then women on the like teenage girls on the other hand just lift just lift everybody up. We were talking about this at work. Like surely the the level of antagonistic bullying would have been heavily reduced just by the presence of of, of a post-pubescent woman who wasn't being paid to be there. I think we all would have had a much better time. There should be like like a like an emotional support girl in every all-boys class. I mean, it's a tough gig for her, but gee, would we appreciate it. That's I reckon there's a job in that. If we could hire girls in university, like not they don't even have to be at like particularly good looking, just just like very feminine girls to just sit in the corner of a classroom and say nothing. And we were just all like, well, you'd probably need actually three of them. You'd probably need three. Cause I think one that's, I think that's a health and safety risk. I don't think you can, you can't leave a, you know, a teacher would have to be present at all times. You couldn't leave one girl in a room of 17. No, that's a terrible, I'm sorry. That's a terrible idea. Three. It's more expensive now, but fuck Knox has the money. You hire three 20-year-old girls uh, who are like whenever, and here's what you do. When the boys do something cruel to one another, the girls all whisper amongst each other and roll their eyes. And when the boys do something kind of lame and embarrassing, that, that they giggle. And, and you watch those boys whip themselves into shape for the promise of impressing a 20-year-old girl. I remember being like, 13 at a school dance and having a 15 year old girl come and talk to me and my friends because we were young and cute like we were a puppy at the park and the the, those those girls were 15 but to me they were women 
they they were fully developed, brought down from the heavens, just true goddesses, each and every one of them. And and let's be that they hadn't they hadn't learnt what calculus was yet. And they could learn it because women can be good at maths, okay guys? Fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, you know, feigning misogyny for my for my audience, alright? I just because I hate women's sport doesn't mean I hate women. And I don't even hate I just hate the you know what, if you're going to want to hear my perspective on women's sport, you're going to have to come come to a show. I just resent this idea that we've all got to admit it's great. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. And look, for them to get to fine is an achievement because it used to not be fine. And some some women, individuals, are, are great, but 13 of them at once in, in unison? No. No. That's why women's team sports are going to take a lot longer to get to the level that like Venus and Serena Williams got to because those girls just had to trust themselves and their sister. If tennis was a 13-a-side sport, we wouldn't know who Serena Williams is. She would have gotten overshadowed by her friends just flinging rackets into the net constantly. Anyway, we're just about out of time here for Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. I feel like it's a good one. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be a bit looser, be a bit more free with this. I hope it's coming across. Uh, but one thing I have noticed about the podcast is it ends very abruptly, doesn't it? It, it kind of, it does, it does just sort of like just, and that's it, I guess. Because look, a big part of me is I just talk until I see a three on the, uh, on the time on the, on the old recording device. But I don't think that's good enough. So I'm trying to think, okay, how can I, how can I bring a bit more finality to it? So here's, here's my latest idea. Let me know what you think about it. I think this is good. It's, it's three, two, one. Okay. It's that classic, I don't know if you guys, if you played team sports every now and then a coach, the odd coach would do this, which is at the end of the game, you, you hand out your, your best performance. It's three points for the best, two points for second best, one point for third best, three points for best on field. For the, in the last week, who, who do I give my 3-2-1 to? Well, it's a tough one. All right. I think I've got to give, I gotta give, my, I gotta give my three points to the, to the man. I don't know, but... You know what's weird with this is like it feels like it should go one two three, but my memory is you start three two one, you go the best. I'm gonna go one two three. I'm gonna defy a convention because I'm inventing the convention as I go. One point, all right. One point goes to the dad on my flight with the potentially autistic child doing his best. Okay, I know I said he wasn't trying very hard, but fuck, I would have given up by now as well. I I can't imagine much worse than having a child that you just don't that you love but don't like which is, I think, the position this guy would have found himself in. One point to that man. Two points. Two points. Well, that's got to go to the, uh, to, to, the, to the misguided boyfriend who brought his girlfriend along to my show. No, actually, fuck that guy. Two points goes to my good friend, Patty Mooney, who brought his fiance on her 30th birthday to my comedy show to hear me call the AFLW a charitable organization. That man, and you know, more important, well, you know what? Three points goes to her. Three points goes to her for letting her fiance drag her to his high school friend's amateur stand up comedy show. If you're listening, India, three points to you. I'm so sorry I ruined your 30th birthday. Let's do it again in a decade, shall we? I'll be better by then. Uh, so there you go. There's the three, two, one this week. We're going to be shouting out some of the true heroes in my life, uh, and therefore heroes of the world, uh, as far as I'm concerned, because. You know what? Who better to determine the heroes of the world than the man at the center of it? And that would be me. 
And with that, I'm going to leave you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again. For show some respect, Tom Whitcomb Miss talking. It's a tight community, those of us in the inner sanctum. But uh, each and every one of you means a lot to me. Uh, I'm going to be in Newcastle tonight. Hey, if uh, I might put this at the start as well. I'm in Wollongong this Friday night. If you've made it this far and you're living in Wollongong or just close by, you'd be crazy not to come along. All right, the shows are going great. It's a good show. Uh, Tom Whitcomb, ignorant. Tickets are 25 bucks. Come check it out. Would love to see you there. But until next time, I've been Tom Whitcomb. See ya.